Hi, this is Brian Lane, lead pastor of FAM Church, and I have the honor to introduce today's message to you. On Sunday, we had Greg and Kita Lewin with us, and they are missionaries to the Canary Islands, where only 1% of the population is Christian. And so let's listen in as they challenge us to be missionaries at work, in our neighborhood, and really everywhere we go. And so I was used to very quiet church for a very long time, and then at 20, I encountered God, or rather God encountered me, And I discovered it was okay to be happy to be in church, to have joy, to have excitement, to be here. Amen. For 20 years, my mom drug me to church every Sunday. And then at 21, I encountered God and I was dragging everyone else. So again, it's good to be here with you all this morning. Uh, It's an honor. It really is a privilege. And so my name is Greg. This is my wife, Nikita, or Kita. Uh, It's a little bit easier that way. We've been married a little over nine years. We are expecting our first child. Her belly has now extended past mine, which is a good thing. Uh, We just found out about a week and a half ago it's going to be a little girl, uh, Lana Hadassah. So we're we're super excited. So we're going to be going back to the field this time with uh, God's entrusting us with another human being, which scares me to death. So, uh, but no, it's wonderful to be here today. My name is, uh, I'm originally from Indiana, if you couldn't tell by my accent, not from Florida originally. I'm one of the many, many non-native Floridians. Uh, but my wife is, you know, she was born and raised here in Florida, in Dade City, actually, which is just about maybe 45 minutes away. It's not even that far. And uh, so how, I'm going to share a little bit about how we got connected to the Canary Islands. Uh, then we're going to show a just short two-minute video, and we're going to share a little bit about why we're in the Canary Islands. And then we're going to end this thing with three things that we believe that you all can walk away with today to make an impact in your community. These are three things that we try to implement in our lives on a daily basis and we believe that if you'll take them and you'll apply them daily, that you'll begin to see transformation in your family, in your community, in your neighborhood, and ultimately around the world. Amen. And so a little bit about how we got connected to the Canary Islands. Initially, when we, when we said yes to God, when we got married, we didn't know about the Canary Islands. We were like the majority of Americans, didn't know there were islands off the coast of Africa. Well, not these islands anyway. I knew about Madagascar on the other side. Uh, so a little bit of the history for you, for those that are not familiar, the, the islands are part of Spain. It's like what Puerto Rico is to the United States. It's a territory or a province of, of Spain. We're about 60 miles off the coast of Morocco. Spain, Spanish is, is the national language, is the primary language of the people that live there. However, there's a large portion of foreigners or immigrants or internationals, they, depending on their class, I guess is how you would define them, but, but they come from other nations, and they're largely unreached in these, in these communities, number one, because Spain as a nation is largely unreached. But even the church that is, that is developed there is, has not yet figured out a way to reach the internationals or the foreigners. And so as missionaries, that's what we do. We go in there, we partner with the national church. We say, hey, you know, let us come alongside of you. you know, we can already speak English. A lot of these foreigners come from nations that English is their second language. And so it's like, look, we already speak English. You don't need to learn another language. We already speak it. Let us work alongside of you. And so any given Sunday there at the church in Las Palmas, we have about 25 to 30 nations that are represented. For us, it's a great opportunity because we get to meet people from all over the world, and you get to see God impact someone's life. And here's, here's the neat thing about, uh, about an international church many times is they tend to be transient. And sometimes that can be a little frustrating because you think, I, I, I pour in maybe two months of my life or a year or two years of my life into somebody, and then I know that they're going to be leaving sooner or later. I know eventually God, you know, they're going to move to another country or they're going to move to another place. They're going to go back home. You know, jobs are going to change. Something's going to happen. They're going to leave. 
And at first it can be a little frustrating, but then you begin to realize it's free missionaries. Amen. God impacts their life. They move on to, to, to their next place, their next destination that God has for them. And God impacted their lives while they're there on the islands, and they take that gospel with them. Amen. And so what we want to do is I want to show you just a short little two-minute video this morning. It, we made it about the last last month and a half, two months while we were there on the field. And I wanted to show you, I wanted to show you guys a little bit of the spiritual atmosphere that exists in the Canary Islands. A lot of times it's, it's hard for uh, Americans to understand why missions needs that, why, why do we need missionaries in Spain and Europe and the Canary Islands? This video will show you a little bit about that. And I want to I put a little preface on it. You're going to see two young individuals in this video. They're going to look similar to us. They are not distant relatives of ours. They are us. Uh, I have no, no beard, no facial hair in the video. I, people didn't think I was an adult, so I got a little facial hair so people would recognize I was an adult. So if you would please go ahead and play that video. Hello, we're Greg and Nikita Lewin, and we're here on the field in Las Palmas. Many times we are asked the question, why do missionaries need to go to Europe? Why do missionaries go to the Canary Islands? Today, we went out to the streets of our city to interview people and to ask them two questions. What do they believe about God, and what do they believe about the church? Let us show you why God has called us to this place. El Papa tiene no sé cuánto de oro, se viste de... ¿sabes? Yo no le veo una mancha al Papa en la ropa, ¿sabes? It's an institution, but uh, it's not... Um, it's not, how can you say? Uh, it's not something that was made by God or La iglesia está muy bien para las comuniones, las bodas, todo lo que tú quieras, pero lo de Dios no creo que sea cierto. Yo personalmente soy atea. Yo creo que más cerca en... Para nosotros es Dios, la iglesia no. Creo que, eh, que no existe y que es algo que se piensa la gente para ser más fuerte dentro de sí mismo. La iglesia es un come cocos, nos tiene a todos olvidados el cerebro y así tenemos todos pendientes de, de, los, de las normas y de la iglesia y no pendientes del día a día, de ti mismo, de ser persona. Sí creo que hay alguna fuerza, llámalo Dios o llámalo como quieras. Pero la iglesia sí que me parece un poco un negocio que tiene montado ciertas personas. Yo creo en nada. Less than 1% of the people that live in these islands are have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Out of the 2 million people, that means less than 20,000 are born again believers. We would ask that you would partner with us and help us to reach the 99%. So, some of the responses from the people were things like, okay, you know, the Pope, he has no flaws in his clothes. All he wants to do is take in all this money from us people that don't even go to the church. They only see it as a business. And actually, uh, the overall culture says that it is a lifeless, that the church is this, a lifeless and powerless institution created by men in search of power to be able to hold their thumb over the people. 
That is the reality. That is the spiritual reality that we face every day in the Canary Islands. Uh, One of the uh, women that were on there, she said um, that it is nothing but people trying to brainwash and manipulate the the culture and to manipulate the people that come into the building. And then, of course, you have the young man at the very end who looks straight into the camera and says, I believe in nothing. That breaks my heart. We actually, this is a two-minute video. We have a five-minute video of nothing but more bad responses. We did not pick and choose the responses that you see. This was a genuine question asked and a genuine answer from the people themselves. There was one man on here, I believe, that said, the closest thing to us is God and not the church. He's a Muslim. So the God that he's talking about is not the God that we serve. So this is the idea, this is the culture, this is who we minister to. And a lot of people are like, but it seems so hopeless. It seems like there is, there, there's no hope, it's, it's so dark and, and how could you? There's this incredible little phrase that I love to use. When the things seem darkest and most hopeless in, in any kind of culture, in any kind of life, there's this little phrase called, but God. So things might seem hopeless right now, but God can change a life. But God can change a culture. God sends us to these people as God sends us in the past of your people in the community to change and intercept their eternity. That is an honor and a privilege that we get to do. It is so amazing that God entrusts us with this precious gospel and we get the opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ What an opportunity. That's amazing. Some of the practical things that we get to do there as an international church, we bring in a lot of the foreigners. We attract a lot of the the international global nomad community. And so we do everything bilingual. So we will have a person here and then a translator over here. And we will be speaking in English. And then the translator will be translating it into Spanish. We do everything Praise and worship, we do announcements, and we do the message all in both English and Spanish. Why? To cast the biggest net. My husband loves to fish, and so one of his things is, if you can catch more fish with a bigger net, why not? (laughs) Right? And so we get that opportunity to be able not to minister just to second language English speakers, but we get the opportunity to to minister to the Spanish people, the Latinos that come in as well. That's just a little bit of what we do, which is absolutely an incredible opportunity. And so what we try to do, not just while we're there, but in our daily lives, we try to live by three principles. And these are three things that we take from God's word that we believe are very practical that if each one of us will apply them, we can see a change in our communities. Amen. Ultimately, God didn't save us just to go to heaven. Do we agree on that? Heaven's the reward at the end of this journey. God saved you because he needed boots on the ground, feet and hands here, ready to do his work. Amen. And I hope today by the end, by, by the time we are done, that you will begin to see your Christian life, your Christian walk a little bit different to where it's not just what can God do for me, but what God wants to do through you to impact your community. Amen? There's a story that, that really touched me when I first became a Christian. Like I said, I was raised Catholic. Uh, for me, I, my response would not have been much different than the people that were in this video. To be God, yeah, he probably existed, but he was off in the distance. He probably didn't really care about us, and, and really, we just had to do things to make him happy so he wasn't, wasn't mad at us. 
I went to Catholic school. I never really thought of God as a living being who loved us. And when I first became a Christian, there was a story that greatly impacted my life. It was about two young men in the 1700s. This is some of the first organized missions or missionaries that, we, that you can read about looking back. In the 1700s, there was an area of Europe at that time called Moravia. It's now called the Czech Republic. And there was a community of believers there that got so passionate about spreading the gospel around the world that really took the Great Commission to heart that they began to organize and send people out as missionaries, not like the Catholic Church did just to conquer, but to truly carry just the gospel, go figure, just the gospel to, the, to every area of this world. Well, these two men had heard about islands in the Caribbean that were owned by atheist slave owners at the time. Now, these, these slave owners said this, no minister will ever step foot on these islands to share that rubbish that they believed in. So these two men did the unthinkable. They sold their lives into slavery. They boarded a slave ship. And the final words that their family heard from them were these as, as the ship was pulling away from the dock. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Why do we exist as Christians? Why is it so important that we take the Great Commission to heart? Because Jesus died so that the lost could be found. Amen. Jesus loves the lost. We live by this phrase, Christ loves the canaries. We put it on everything. But we truly believe it deep down inside that Christ loves, deeply loves the lost. As a matter of fact, he said, you know, the, the gospel records that he came to, to, to do what? To seek and to save the lost. You, um, you, can, you can respond, it's okay. So he came to seek and to save the lost, amen. Then Paul goes on to say in, in Corinthians, yeah, I'll, I'll read it for you. We're going to work together today, amen. <laughs> In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says this, And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. That's phenomenal. And God has given us this task. Say, God's given me this task. This is, this is profound. This task of reconciling people to him. At the end of the day, you say, God, why am I here? God answers your question with this, to reconcile the world to him. That means to bring peace between man and him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. You have a wonderful message of reconciliation. What is it? It's your testimony. It's about how God pulled you out of darkness and put you into his marvelous light. Amen. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead with people, come back to God. Why are you here? Because Jesus so deeply loves the lost that he wanted to put his spirit inside of you and his message in your mouth to take to the uttermost parts of this world. Amen. He so deeply loves the person that lives next door to you that he wants you in that neighborhood. When I first became a Christian, I was working at a, at a I was installing cable. It sounds very glamorous. I, was, I, had a, I had a van 
We'd uh, drive around. I really actually kind of enjoyed that work. The one thing I didn't enjoy is if you ever met a cable installer, they're, they're very colorful people. The, the vocabulary they use, the, the analogies that they use to describe things is not necessarily the most clean of, they don't use the cleanest vocabulary. Do you understand what I'm talking about? These are not people you hire for customer service representatives. Good work ethic. You know, they, 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 did, they, they did good work, but ultimately not exactly the cleanest of people. And I, I was working there, and I, I began to get frustrated because I was, had only been maybe uh, living for Jesus maybe six months. And I would get frustrated. I was like, God, I, I, I came out of that lifestyle. I'm tired. I don't like using those words. I don't like listening to people use those words. And I got frustrated. I was like, God, why am I here? Get me out of here. I want to do work where I'm only around Christians, where I'm only around people that talk like me, that act like me, that live like me. And God's, God told me this. He said, why do you think you're there? Because I need a light in the darkness. Amen. Why are you, where, why are you at the job you have? You're not there to get a paycheck. Paycheck's just a bonus. You're, at the, you're working for the company you work for because God needs a light in the midst of the darkness. Amen. So for so long here in the United States, we have so many Christian clubs and, and, and we have such a Christian culture, which is cool. It's awesome. I love that. But sometimes we can get so lulled into the idea that we just create our own culture. And what happens is we begin to separate ourselves, which is we should separate ourselves from sin. I'm not saying that. But we can be so, become so disconnected from culture that we forget how much Jesus loves them. Look at the life of Jesus. Where did he spend his life? Among the people. He deeply loves the lost. He loved them so much that he sacrificed himself for them. For you, for me. Amen. And we need to live with that passion of understanding Jesus loves them. No matter what language they speak or country they come from or, or what faith they may believe in at this moment or, or how good they smell or how bad they smell or what, what part of the world they come from or neighborhood they come from or state they come from, Jesus deeply loves them. And his love should compel us. That's what it says. Paul goes on to say that the, the love of Christ should compel us. What has the love of Christ compelled you to do? It should be to go out into your community to share the gospel with those around you, amen? To plead with them that, look, there's a God who is real. He's alive. I know it because I've encountered him, amen? That's what drives us when we're on that island, when we encounter people like this that, that truly believe in their hearts that God's not real, that he's a, a dead figment of someone's imagination created like a business. When people truly believe that, words mean very little, Actions speak greatly. And spending time with people, consistently spending time with them to where they understand that it's not just words we say, it's a life we truly live because we believe it down deep inside. God has impacted us, amen? So number one, Christ loves the lost. Christ loves the canaries. Number two is this. There's a story from, uh, from Acts that is one of my favorites. It's about Philip. Are you familiar with the story of Philip? Philip the evangelist, Acts chapter 8. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll get through it very quickly. He's called the evangelist, and, and by Acts chapter 8, he's, he's preached revival, and you say, well, how do you know revival's going on? Because miracles are happening where he is preaching, like phenomenal outpouring, miracles, healings, those kinds of things are happening, and something crazy, for me, is crazy. Something crazy happens. God tells him to do something, to leave, to walk away from it. And for me, I always, when I read that story, I was like, God, why would you call 
a, a minister? Why would you call the evangelist away from all this phenomenal stuff going on? Well, God tells Philip to do something. Do you know what it was? Anybody? Well, <laughs> tells them to walk down the street. We're going to go real practical. Is it okay if I come down here with you guys? And so God tells Philip to start walking. He starts walking down the street, and as he's walking down the street, there's someone coming the other way. You familiar with this? Okay, someone's already on it. There's the Ethiopian eunuch that's coming. He's on a chariot. Now that, that that's, would be typical of that time period. So God tells Philip to go and do something. What is it? What's the first thing God, God tells Philip to do? To go stand next to it, to go catch up with the chariot. Now, how many of you all have been out here on, what is this, Highway 60 out here? You're at a light. Your window's down. There's a guy standing on the side of the road. And he starts walking up to your window. What's the first thing you do? Yeah, trust me. You roll up that window. You make sure the doors are locked. Why? Because it makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, let me help you out. Chariots didn't have windows. So, the, so this eunuch, this Ethiopian eunuch, a eunuch is someone of, of, of royal power. He's connected to the right people. He's in this chariot. And God tells Philip, go stand next to the chariot. So Philip goes over there, which is a little weird. Stands next to this chariot. Now, the, the eunuch is doing something. What's he doing? He's reading. Nah, you're jumping ahead. He's reading Isaiah. Now, he's reading Scripture, not just any portion of Scripture. He's reading Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is 66 chapters. He's not just reading any portion of Isaiah. He's reading a specific portion that deals with what? A sacrifice, a sacrificial lamb, right? And now this guy looks at Philip, who he does not know. Remember this. He looks at Philip. He doesn't know him. And he says, now, is the writer, is he talking about himself or somebody else? God put Philip in just the right place at just the right time. God so loved the lost, he wanted to see this eunuch born again so much that he called Philip away from revival and sent him down the road to reach this one man. God so values the lost around us that if we are not careful and don't have our ears open, we can miss the one. Do you understand that? Jesus loves them. God wants us to live. This is number two. He wants us to live strategically. What does it mean to be a strategic Christian? It means that your ears open to the voice of God. Because it would have been so easy for Philip to stay where he was and do what he was doing and say, I'm doing the work of God. Yet God cared so much about that eunuch that he brought Philip away, sent him down the road to, to a guy who just happens to be reading Scripture, not just any portion of Scripture, Scripture dealing with what has just happened. And Philip's right there to say, you know what? The writer's actually talking about somebody that I can tell you about right now because I know him. How many of you all have had an encounter with God? Raise your hands. To say, I know that God saved me from something. He pulled me out of something. He did something in my life nobody and no thing could ever do. That's your testimony. That's how, you, that's how you share with the lost. You find somebody who's in that hopeless situation and God strategically places you there at that company, in that neighborhood, at that school, at that Publix, that gas station. And you think, I'm just passing through. And God says, no, 
I have, a, I have an appointment for you to meet with this person today. Jesus met the woman at the well. He had, a, he had a divine appointment to meet her to impact her life that day. But our ears have to be open. We have to recognize that this life that we live as Christians is not just something where we just wake up and we, we go to church on Sunday, then church on Wednesday, then you know, we try, try to live a good life in between those days. No. Each and every day we wake up and say, God, what is it you would have me do today? You know, so, and I'm not trying to bring this huge, like, like this overwhelming thing, but ultimately God's desire is to save the world. So we all have a big part to play. But maybe it's a kind smile, an encouraging word. You know, we've all worked with people that are, are the eternal pessimists. You know, the chicken little, that no matter what happens, this world's coming to an end and life is terrible. And maybe God has you in their life to bring a little bit of hope in the midst of their despair. And then they begin to wonder, how in the world can you have so much hope when there is such garbage happening out in this world? It looks like this world's about ready to burst at the seams with anger towards one another. How in the world can you have hope that, that it surpasses all this, that makes no sense? Because I serve someone who's outside of this world. Amen. I serve someone who can, who can change anything at a moment in an instant. So no matter how dark it is, we, I serve a God who can change the darkest of situations. God's placing you in places strategically. And so we, we have to live loving each and every person around us and living strategically. Lana's jumping like crazy in my belly. She loves hearing her daddy preach. <laughs> So the third point, and I absolutely adore this point, is if not us, then who? Not us, then who? So while we were over there, we were actually missionary associates, and we served over on the island for three and a half years. A year and a half, we were able to work with Stephen Don Robertson, which are family to us. We are super excited to be able to team back up with them and to expand the ministry that God is doing over there. Um, but for two years, while they came back to the United States to raise funds, we were the ones leading the church. So during that time, we had the opportunity to meet a couple that was from the very, very, very small nation of Latvia. Has anybody ever heard of Latvia? My goodness, that's a lot more yeah, because <laughs> it's this very, very, very small nation. I think, what, like two million people or something, right? Smack dab in the middle of big old Europe. And so when we met them, that's the first time we'd ever encountered anybody from Latvia. They spoke English as a second language. And so when they came down, we found out their story. She had had a miscarriage there in Latvia, and they had moved to the Canary Islands to get a change of life to get some time to be able to heal away from her family. She was actually the daughter of a Baptist preacher that was there in Latvia, and then whenever she ran away from the Lord for a time, she met her husband in a bar, and they got married, and then she decided she wanted to come back to the church, but the husband wanted nothing to do with God and wanted nothing to do with, his, with the church. And so that's when we encountered them, was after they had had that hurt, they were coming down to heal. They came to the international community that was there in Las Palmas, which happened to be a church, just happened to be, and we were able to meet them. So we ministered to them in the church themselves. We began to live life with them. We spent about a year building a relationship and building trust between them. That's very, very important. Sometimes it doesn't take us smacking someone on the head with a Bible 
Sometimes it takes living life with people through the messy times to show them the love of Christ, to show them what a hopeful and Christ-filled life looks like. It took a year to be able to build that kind of trust. She loved the Lord. He was just happy to have friends. And so we would be at the church, but we would also go out for coffee. We, would, we took our relationship outside the doors of the church. The church is not a building. It's a group of people. It's a living organism. And when we do church, we don't just do it in this building. We do it during coffee. We do it when we're out fishing with our buddies. We do it when we're out snorkeling with our friends. That's church. So a year later, this beautiful woman calls me. We had become really good friends at the time, and she's bawling. And of course, we're, we're friends at this time, so there's a thousand things that go through your head. What's wrong? What's the matter? Is everything okay? She goes, you will never believe what my husband asked me this morning. Like, okay, that's kind of weird. She goes, my husband asked me to do daily devotionals with him every morning. She said, not only that, but he asked me to pray with him every single night. Had we not been there, I don't know if this young Latvian man man would have been able to encounter Christ, if he would have been able to change the course of his eternity. She said that to me. She goes, I don't know had you all not been in our life if I would have been in eternity with my husband. That to me is incredible. That's not saying that we are something amazing. That is not saying that we are something magnificent. That is how amazing God is. He places you at the exact place at the right time. And if you're willing to walk out the Christ life, if you're willing to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're willing to live life with somebody, he is gracious enough to change the hearts of the lost. That's amazing. God was so good. She said, had you all not been there, I don't know if I'd have spent eternity with my husband. That is amazing and an incredible privilege. There is one, okay, so I grew up in the church. Anybody else here grew up in the church? Okay, it's okay, you can raise your hand. There's nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> I actually uh, was born and raised about 45 minutes, is it north of here? as Dade City, Florida, and I am so grateful that God allowed me to be raised in a church that loved me. I was able to be in kids' ministry and youth ministry and be within the ministries of the church. I loved going to church. And so, as a young girl, you hear about all the Old Testament women, and there is one woman that stands out. Who is she? Ruth is amazing, but I'm not talking about Ruth. Esther, Esther is the Cinderella of the Old Testament. Like she is the one who went from absolutely nothing to the queen of an entire nation. She is one that I absolutely adored. And in fact, um, our daughter's middle name is Hadassah. Do you know what Hadassah is? Esther's Hebrew name. <laughs> That's how much this story has impacted my life. And so long story short, this is gonna be the Disney PG version, okay? We're gonna make this quick. <laughs> what happens is this young girl, she's, okay, raise your hand if you know the story of Esther. Okay, there are some that don't. Okay, quick. She's a young Hebrew girl. The, the, the Jewish people in the nation, they're not necessarily slaves, but they're not necessarily the best of people. They're just kinda like, okay, they're in exile and they're hanging out in the nation. 
And so there is a king that is over this nation. He is not godly at all. And there is a queen. The queen disrespects the king. The king says, I don't want you, peace out, cuts her off. <laughs> so what happens? King gets lonely, he says, it'd be nice to have a queen. So what does he do? He gathers all the young maidens in all of the land, and Esther, this young Hebrew girl, is among many of them. She ends up having favor with the eunuchs that are pampering her. She ends up having favor with the king as he meets her. <laughs> Anybody watch VeggieTales in here? <laughs> okay. <laughs> VeggieTales says it was a beauty pageant. We'll go with that. <laughs> So he ends up getting all these women paraded in front of him, and this one stands out. She's stunning. She's amazing. She has favor, and her name was Esther. So he's like, mm, I want you. And so they end up getting married. She becomes queen of the entire nation, but she never tells him that she is a Jew. Her cousin Mordecai had raised her from birth, and he said, just so that there's no uh, contention, go ahead and keep it a secret for now. Doesn't mean you have to lie. It just means don't, don't tell him yet. So she's queen, she has favor, all is good. Then this joker comes in who uh, wants to kill off all the Jews in the nation. <laughs> so she's like, oh, wait, 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 no. <laughs> I'm part of these people. Like, this, this is not just going to affect me. It's going to affect my entire family and my entire people. And so this is her time. Mordecai, her cousin, ends up coming to her, and this is their conversation. Bear with me for two seconds. It's in Esther 4, verse 13. If you want to turn there, awesome. If you don't, remember it, write it in your notes. I know you're writing notes. <laughs> Esther 4.13, and Mordecai told them, okay, everyone caught up, everyone know where we're at, right? Mordecai's talking to Esther, God wants to kill off her people. Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews, for if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come from somewhere for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Pause. That is a sobering word. That is so sobering. He says, if not you, then who? God will use somebody. God's will will be accomplished here on this earth. It's whether or not you get to be a part of it or not. If you fulfill what God has purposed you in this life or not, she gets that option. Listen, you either do it or you can choose not to, but God will deliver his people. God will save that soul. God will get the glory, but you will not be a part of it. Lord, help me to not allow somebody else to take the call that he has placed and purposed for my life. Let me be the one that fulfills what he needs here on this earth for what he has called me to do. Amen? Amen. All right, then it says, <laughs> you're an Esther fan, this, this is our verses right here. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. God had not just 
placed this random Hebrew Jewish girl in this random nation and gave her random favor for nothing. God had placed her specifically in that time period with exactly the right people around her and the exact place that she needed to be so that his will would be accomplished in that nation so that she could save an entire race. For such a time as this, it is not an accident that you were born in whatever century, this is what, 21st century, where we have tablets and all this craziness. You know how sometimes you think, oh man, if only I was born in the Renaissance, or if only I was born in, no. God has placed you here for such a time as this. It's no accident that you're at the job you're at. It is no accident that you're around the family that you have. It is no accident that you are in the community that you're at. It's no accident that you're in this church. God has placed you here for such a time as this. Not only did God call her to be queen of an entire nation, but he also gave her every resource at her fingertips that she needed to accomplish exactly what he had called her to do. God gave her favor with the king. She had an entire nation at her fingertips, every resource imaginable, and God was able to use that for his glory. He has not only called you, but he has equipped you. He has resourced you. You have the precious Holy Spirit inside of you, and you can accomplish exactly what God has called you to do. Amen? Amen. And I'm done, guys. <laughs> then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me, neither eat or nor drink for three days, night or day, my maids, and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Not only did she say, yes, God, I will do exactly what you've called me. Not only did God resource her with every single thing that she needed to accomplish his will, but she said, no matter what it takes, no matter what sacrifice it may take, if it means losing my friends, if it means losing my family, my job, my house, if it means losing my very life, yes, Lord, I will. God, let us have the tenacity. Let us have the determination to say, no matter what it takes, God, use me. I am here. Use me. Amen. So the story doesn't end there. Not only does she say all this, but she has the actions to back it up. She goes before the king. And you know what happens? The entire Jewish nation, the entire race was saved because of one woman's decision to follow what God had called her to do. That's incredible. If not us, then who? See why I married her. <laughs> These are three things that we, that we try to live by daily. Now, we're human, we fall short, but I want to encourage you each and every day to wake up and these be three principles that you truly try to implement, to see people differently, to look beyond. This, the media, the, the, the culture that we live in wants us to subdivide the human race and the multiple uh, uh, people groups and all these other things. And yes, there, there's some differences that we have, but ultimately, we belong to the human race. Amen. Ultimately, God sees us as, as made in his image. And it's a, it's a daily decision that we have to make and say, God, help me to see them the way you see them. It's not always easy. 
Trust me, there are people that get under my skin. That's hard for me to, to love them like Jesus loves them. And I have to say, you know what, God? They are really frustrating the tar out of me right now. But you love them. They matter to you. If they matter to you, they should matter. They know they must matter to me. Because I'm here to do what you want us to do. Live strategically each and every day. Recognize that you're not going to the store just to get milk. Maybe there's, the cashier's had a rough day. Or maybe you're at a restaurant and the server's having a, a bad day. You had really bad, bad, poor, poor service. And, and, you know, it's normal for us to be like, well, if they're going to give us bad service, then I'm going to let them have a little peace of my mind because they're in the service industry and they need to know that I'm dissatisfied with their service. We don't know what's happened at their home life. Maybe they've had a, a day from, I'm sorry, a day from hell. Maybe they're going through darkness in their life right now. Instead of getting frustrated, say, God, you know, may, maybe they just need a little bit of hope in this moment. God, help me to give them an encouraging word. God, help me to be a part of the solution. Amen. And finally, have this resolve. If I don't do it, how do I know it's going to get done? Amen. If you don't tell them, how do you know that anybody ever will? The only way I know that they've heard the gospel, that they know about Jesus, the only way I can know for sure is if those words come out of my mouth. Amen. Again, it's not taking the Bible and hitting them over the head. But I promise you, if you get your, have your ear open to the voice of God, he will give you the words to say, to encourage them, to let them know that there is a real Father in heaven who loves them more deeply than they could ever know. And just watch what the Holy Spirit does to them. Amen? So I want to bless you all today. I want to I pray for you. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you through the prayer. Uh, and then I will turn it over to Pastor. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your word, for your spirit that lives inside of us. God, my prayer for everyone here today is that you would enable us, empower us to see the lost the way you see them. To look beyond the outer shell of a human being, to see the soul that is down deep inside. Father, give us a love, a compassion to see them the way you see them. Father, give us a compassion that extends beyond what, look, what someone looks like on the outside, but what you see on the inside. God, let us love them so deeply that we are compelled to tell them about you. Father, enable us to live strategically, to recognize each moment is a gift from you. Each encounter with someone who is lost is a gift, an opportunity from you to share with them the love that you have for them. God, you have called us to be reconcilers. You've given us a message of reconciliation. You've given us each a testimony. God, enable us and empower us. Give us that boldness to go and share it. Finally, God, if we don't do it, who will? Your word says the righteous are as bold as lions. Give us that boldness to recognize each opportunity, to seize the moment, to seize the opportunity that we have to share your gospel, to share your love, your hope, your grace, and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Fam Church podcast. Fam Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love to have you join us on Sundays at 10:30 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thanks again and have an amazing day.